come on. Man. It's like you liked each other or something. Sheesh. Come on now. Wow. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> Apology accepted, Scooter. That's all right. That's, all right. That, that's totally all right. All right. Well, we're so glad you guys are here this morning. If you'll pull out your bulletins, just want to highlight just a couple of things this morning. Devin, our normal uh, giver of announcements, she's, I think she was in the snow this weekend. I think she's on her way back. So. Uh, a couple things just on the back you'll notice, and we would like to just make sure you just really kind of notice what we're doing. The first thing is, you'll notice it talks about missions, and Devin mentioned this last week, is we have a missions board back in the back, and I th- we thought it'd be kind of cool to, if everything, every missions organization or people on mission field, um, compassion child, whatever that you have, we would like to put a pin... <laughs> In the, on that map. Now put your name, okay? No glory here, sorry. But you're gonna, we would like to just show people how many things and many people are su- being supported and ministries are being supported. So if you will please email, uh, you'll see Devin's email address there. Please email her and let me know. We'd like to get as many pins on there um, as possible just to see, just to show people that, you know, people are giving and doing a lot of good work around the world. Um, men's Super Bowl breakfast uh, is next Saturday. If you're interested, New, new Life Church um, up the way there is putting on a breakfast. Um, they've invited us to come, so I would encourage you to come. It'd be helpful if you go to, they have a little Facebook event page too, if you'd go to that and they'd, um, they'll help out them knowing the numbers. Or you just let me know and I'll let the pastor up there know. But it'd be a good time just they show a video with some testimonies and professional athletes and things like, just an encouraging time. And I've heard that past breakfasts, that like men's breakfast they do here in Pacifica, so often men go to these things and they look across the room and they go, you're a Christian? You're a believer? So it's kind of been, it's kind of been cool that people will do about it. This is also to bring non-believers to this kind of thing, but it's so good to bring people together in these kind of events in Pacifica. So that's happening. Um, the youth group Ignite is going to the um, Alpha Pregnancy Center. Really excited about this, uh, the youth group doing things like this and serving. So if you are in high school, know someone in junior high and high school, Please, this is a fantastic event to come to. And then uh, what I want to highlight is a parenting workshop. I just did a parenting workshop yesterday at a church talking about um, a very light topic, uh, anxiety, depression, and suicide. Um, So, yeah, I'm just a happy guy this weekend, aren't I? Um, And so there's going to be another one of those. I'm not going to be a part of that. I will probably be at this one. But um, there's going to be another one that Christian Counseling Centers of the Bay Area is going to be putting on here. So I would encourage you to either come to that or please tell people that have families to come to something like this. These these resources are phenomenal. And there was a great response yesterday. There was about six of us that presented and the parents said that they were just very encouraged hearing things about especially difficult situations. So please, let people know. And the men's retreat, I've been harping on a lot of you guys, so I'm not going to harp much more. We're joining uh, CPC at Central Peninsula Church at their men's retreat. So please come. really want you guys all to come. It'll be a great, great time. So let's pray, and we're going to take this morning's offering. Father God, thank you once again for an opportunity to come to worship you, to uh, give of our praise And God, now we just desire to continue to worship you as we give of the abundance that you have given us, God, that you would, and we uh, would be wise to use it in ways that would bless you and bless others and to further your kingdom. We pray it all in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Great job. They really do a fantastic job. Appreciate you guys. Before I get started this morning, I just want to kind of remind you guys a lot of... um, uh, some of you, or at least some of you, are a part of different small groups, the 
study that meets in the morning, uh, women's Bible study, men's Bible study. And what we are doing is we are going in those, the curriculum we're using now for those studies is questions from this sermon that I write. And um, we're doing that just we want to keep us really kind of just marinating in what, we were talk- what we're talking about and continuing the conversation from what happens on Sunday. So if you're a part of that, you'll probably get emailed those from your leader. If you're not, or you just don't have email, um, if that's still, well, I guess that does still work. Uh, uh, or if you don't, or if you're not a part of one of these studies and you still like to go on, I've made cop, there's hard copies back there of the questions. If you just want to use them for your personal study time, I encourage you to, they're right there back in the back on the mission, by the missions board back in the back. So I encourage you to pick those up and just continue on, uh, like I said, marinating kind of in all that we're talking about. So let me pray real quick as we jump in the word. Father God, thank you again for your faithfulness and your goodness. Thanks that we could come to you and worship and praise you this morning, God. We love you. We ask, God, that you would help us to learn and grow uh, from your word this morning. Give me words that are from your spirit in your name. Amen. All right. We got rid of our little buzzy buzz. Are we hurting bees back here? Okay. We are hurting bees. Can you do me a favor? Can someone turn off those lights back there and maybe I'll uh, give myself a little light here to How's that? There we go. Did I do something good? Bad? Okay. Okay. Good. Sorry. Sorry. People are like, that's not it. That's not in the program. That's not what we do. That's okay. All right. Well, last week we started a study our, uh, looking through the book of First Peter, okay? Going through the New Testament book of First Peter. And now we saw that the Apostle Peter, he wrote this book from Rome, And he wrote it to believers that were scattered through what today is modern-day Turkey. And he wrote this to these Christians because they were struggling with being persecuted due to their Christian faith. And Peter knew that these difficulties that his readers were facing were really most likely um, causing them to probably doubt God and his good work in their life and his presence in their life. He also knew that this doubt would easily possibly tempt them to even possibly abandon their faith, if not at least waver uh, a bit in their faith. So I just want to ask you this one. Have you ever had that happen to you before? Have you ever had so many things come at you, trials and difficulties, wave after wave of struggle or difficulty that causes you to possibly doubt the God's goodness, or let, even just kind of like trickles in a little bit. Because some people say, "No, I would never doubt God." But when I think when we get down to it, some of the times when we're faced with hit after hit after hit, sometimes we think, "God, what's going on here? I don't get this. I thought that you were good. I get trials and everything, but this is ridiculous." It's easy for that doubt to trickle in, and it gets a foothold. Okay. So if you've ever felt that, I just want to make sure that you are assured this morning that you are not alone. You are definitely not alone in this. Peter begins even, he helps us with this. He begins this letter by telling his readers and helping them understand that their identity is in Christ and where to find their identity, okay? Who they really are as followers of Christ. That's what he's trying to help them with. This whole book is about that. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? 
And it's so important, we talked about this last week, it's so important to understand our identity in Christ because that, that help, if when we define who we are in Christ, that's going to determine how we respond to the difficult situations that come up in our life, but it's also going to help us to understand how to respond to this world that we talked about last week that we live in this, that's hostile to biblical principles. It really is. And there's certain things that the world's going to say, yeah, I accept that, but you're going to find, you're always going to find there's something that people are going to go, I just don't agree with that. Even though that's in the Bible, I don't, that's just going to happen. So how do you deal with it? How do you lovingly, but also in a way not feeling threatened, how do you stay strong in your faith? Well, in helping his readers understand their identity, Peter calls his readers, we looked at this last week, he calls them elect exiles. Remember that? Elect exiles. Elect exile is someone who's been specifically chosen by God according to his plan to be his child, okay? Specifically chosen. Yet, yet he is, we're no longer, this isn't our place. We don't belong here, okay? We're strangers. We're aliens in this world, okay? He's saying elect exiles are foreigners in a strange land because they don't share the same values as the culture around them. The bottom line is that living as an exile, we saw this last week, is both a source of great joy, but it's also a source of grief and all sorts of trials. Not just from being attacked for our faith, but being tempted by what the world has to offer and is in our face with a lot. So what is it, what is it that motivates a follower of Jesus to continue to work hard to make sure that their identity is in Christ and not in the things that our culture says that we should strive for, that are, like I said, are in our face all the time. What motivates you and I to stand firm in our faith when the struggles of living this life as a Christ follower seem, everything we do seems so countercultural and the temptations to waver even so slightly, are ever-present. How do we stay strong? Well, I think it's in one word, hope. We need hope, and we have to have hope. And I'm not talking about hope that has this element of uncertainty, like, I hope the lights don't go off again, the power go out, those of us that experienced all that the other night, I hope that they don't go off again, or I hope that we get there on time, or I hope that the weather holds out. Not that kind of hope. John, I love how John Piper says it. True, he says, true hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. There's this, what he's saying is there's expectancy and this confidence that what we hope for will happen. It's going to happen. Okay, there's not any doubt in it. And this kind of hope is really absent in much of our society today. And unfortunately, for a lot of us Christians, this kind of hope is also absent. A loss of hope during, due, due to different circumstances, whether it's an illness or it's financial worries or political fears, crying out loud, how are we seeing that right now? The loss of hope in that, like, what's gonna happen? The doubt that things are ever going to be good again. That kind of stuff can derail us. It can really be a difficult thing to deal with. So 
We all long to have true hope. I know we do. And the possibility of losing hope is why Peter wrote to his original readers. He wrote to them because they were losing hope. Okay? That's why he was reading. And it's a, so it's a great message for us. So hope is what we're going to be looking at today because this message, this is a lot to say to you and me. Okay? A lot. So we're going to look at hope as we move through this letter of Peter. Okay? We're going to look at chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Okay? So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to that. Chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Let's, we're going to take this in bite-sized chunks, okay? We're going to first look at the first. We're going to look at uh, verses 3 through 5 real quick. And verses 3 through 5, by the way, this is the first point. He gives us our reason for our hope, okay? This is where Peter is first going to start off by giving. Here's the reason that you can have hope, and here it is. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And I want you to notice something first here. Notice how Peter starts this off. He starts off by seeing, saying, blessed be, or from some of your translators says, praise be. I mean, what, what Peter's doing here, before he even gets into any teaching or anything like that, what he's going to do is he starts off by modeling something very wonderful for us. Before, before he gives any instruction at all, he starts off by doing what? Praising God. That's how he starts, Okay by expressing his incredible gratitude for who God is. I love how the message translation, if you ever read the message translation, you should have a copy of the message translation by Eugene Peterson because it is a great thing to every once in a while look at and see how a, a man who has ta- who a godly man in our time has translated the Bible. Now, it's a loose translation. It's, it's, uh, it's something just to read for kind of like more for fun and get an idea. But what he says about this first verse, he says, what a God we have, exclamation point. He says, what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. You can see, you just see him getting, I was going, what a God we have. You can just see him. That's how Eugene saw that. Where that's how he starts off. He doesn't say, okay, I got some, I'm Peter. I got some things to tell you. He goes, no, first and foremost, God is amazing. Oh my gosh. What a great model for us when we come to God. What a fantastic model with our, we have our needs. We know what we want to say. If you're anything like me, I try to have some kind of form of saying all the things I want to say in prayer, but I got to tell you what's on my mind is what I want to ask for. That's, and I know it's just me. I know I'm the only one that struggles with that. But Peter's giving us a great model because what this does, it gives us a, it puts everything into perspective, okay? It's a great reminder to us that when we enter into God's presence, it helps us to have this gratitude of, like they say, an attitude of gratitude coming to him and not just, well, I want, I want, I want. It puts everything that we're going to think, everything we're going to say into perspective. What it's saying, it's saying, it's God who is supreme, not me. It's God who is all-knowing, not me. It's God who is all-powerful, who is all-loving, and all-merciful, not me. Man, that changes. That, that kind of changes perspective when you start talking to him, doesn't it? We're, we're acknowledging who he is first. Gets the selfishness kind of out of the way, doesn't it? 
That's, I love how Peter just starts this off. So what Peter does here, he's first, okay, the reason for it, he, start, he gives one of the first reasons, one of the first reasons for our hope, first of all, he says, is that we are born again, okay? That's the first reason for our hope. The first reason of hope is we're born again. Born again means that we have given, given this, this new birth, okay? Peter got this concept, obviously, from uh, Jesus. Remember, Jesus with Nicodemus was talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was asking about getting into the kingdom of heaven, and he said, you must be born again to enter God's kingdom. Now, this is a spiritual rebirth that Jesus is talking about and Peter is talking about. No one can get it on their own. Nobody can earn it. You can't just, I showed up, I'm a good person, I go to church a lot, I give. That doesn't give you this new birth. You can't earn it. It's a gift, as it says here, by God's great, what? Mercy. It's his great mercy that gives us this gift. So that's where our hope is. We see this God's mercy explained even a little bit more. Like in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 say this, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when you were in the midst of your most heinous sin and rebellion towards God, he made us alive together with Christ. Wow, that's huge. It is God, because of his mercy, who has chosen us to have this new birth and to be born again. And he says that we have been born again into a what? Into a living hope, he says. We're born again into this living hope. As followers of Jesus, our hope is based not on our circumstances, but on a person. Isn't that a unique way to think? We don't usually think that way, do we? Do we? We look at our circumstances, we look at what what be coming, what's coming ahead, and we say, okay, now I have hope. As Christians, our hope is based on a person, the person of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we're able to view our present circumstances in the light of hope that is certain, okay? 100% certain because our hope is not in the changing of our circumstances. If things would just get better, if this person would just stop acting like a jerk, if this, would, you know, if this person would forgive or whatever, we think that's going to give us hope. Saying that's not it. It's, hope doesn't come in the changing of our circumstances, but in the person who rose again and is alive today. That's where our hope is. Okay? It's in a person. We're tempted, though, to look at our circumstances. We need to look at the person of Jesus Christ. Second reason for our hope, second reason for our hope is in the inheritance, he says, in the inher- an inheritance that is stored up in heaven for us. Did you know that as a child of God, you have an inheritance? That's pretty cool. We have an inheritance. We all know what an inheritance is. Some of us are longing for that darn inheritance to get here. Some of us have spent it already. But we, as Christians, have an inheritance been held for us. Look at in, in Romans chapter, I can't read it because I wrote it down wrong, but it's somewhere in Romans and it says this. Maybe it's on there. That's where, it, it can't be in Romans 816. So don't, <laughs> so don't look for that. You'll be looking for a long time. It's probably Romans 816 and 17, okay? The Spirit himself bears, who really said, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God and have children with God, then what are we? We are heirs of God. Not of a ton of money, not of a house. We're heirs of God. 
And fellow heirs with who? With Christ. Oh my gosh. Fellow heirs with Christ. The inheritance that we as believers have is mentioned, it's everywhere throughout the New Testament. It's all over. Ephesians chapter 1, there's a couple verses in there. It says it all. It says, it's in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, okay, guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So what is it? (laughs) What's this inheritance? Is there a pot of gold? What is this inheritance? What are we heirs to? Well, the Bible tells us what we will, what are, we are heirs to is what we'll experience, will we experience in heaven. That's something that's being kept in heaven that when we see Jesus, we're going to experience. Okay? When Jesus establishes his kingdom, we have this inheritance with him. Just a little peek, Revelation, the book of Revelation gives us a small glimpse. I know many of you read Revelations a lot, so you understand it completely. Yeah, right. But there are some things that we can get a little glimpse of. In Revelation chapter 21, there's a small glimpse of what our inheritance looks like. Look, he says, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is, and by the way, this is just a small piece of our inheritance. This is a small piece. All things are going to be made brand new, okay? J.I. Packer, if you've never read anything by J.I. Packer, he's fantastic. J.I. Packer wrote this. He says, hearts on earth say in the course of a joyful experience, I don't want this to ever end. Ever been in a situation like that? I don't want this to ever end. This is awesome. Please don't end. But it invariably, invariably does. The heart in heaven say, I want this to go on forever, and it will. There can be no better news than this. You guys, when we begin to understand, really grasp this glorious inheritance that awaits us, we are better able to handle all that comes our way in this very temporary life. It's important for us to have an eternal mindset when we see that this is just a, this is nothing compared to what's coming. Nothing. And you've heard that verse, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It's preparing us for that. We have hope now. Because we know that we are going, what we are going through is preparing us for the, really the climax of our salvation experience that God has promised us. It's preparing us for, to enjoy something even better. Does that make sense? He's got, I know it's weird to think of, but it really does impact us in a way that, oh my gosh, we have this incredible thing coming. But here's the beauty. Here's the really cool thing about all this. It's not only about what's to come. 
Our future inheritance is not all about then, okay? We are enjoying, did you know that we are enjoying some of the fruits of our eternal inheritance right now? We are. We're getting a taste of it now. I mean, how many of us wouldn't want a taste of our future inheritance, some of us? I'm inheriting nothing, I know that. I know where my family is. But some of you, (laughs) you know it's coming. And in some ways you're like, I'd like to get, but in some of you, you've been, it's trickled down to you already a little bit maybe. We have that. We have that as believers. Every, every sunset, okay? Every joy-filled moment that we experience is just an infinitesimal taste of what's in store for us. My wife and I, we discovered, what's it called? Milagra Ridge? We discovered Milagra Ridge on a perfect, perfect day. Just check out my Facebook page. Um, we, it was amazing. Um, I didn't even know it existed. We were just walking along the beach there in Sharp Park, and I saw, oh, there's a stairway up there, and people are walking up there. And I thought, let's go. It's got to, the view's got, and we got up there, and we were just blown away. I know some of you that live here are like, yeah, we've been there all the time. Others of you, I know, it, it was amazing. That is just like infinitesimal peace. That is a part of the inheritance that God is allowing us to like get a little peek, just a little tiny peek. Any cool thing that happens, the joy we experience in life, that's just a tiny speck of a piece of what we have coming to us. Isn't that cool? That is so neat to know that it's coming Now, notice that our inheritance in these verses, though, it's marked by three things that guarantee that it can't be corrupted in any way. Time or circumstances cannot corrupt what we have coming to us. It's imperishable, it says, it's undefiled, and it is unfading. In other words, it's going to last forever. Man, if I could have a sunset like that every night, and that is only a a pinch of salt compared to the ocean of what I've got coming? Oh my goodness, that gives hope. That gives me hope, knowing that this is temporary. It reminds us of the teaching that Jesus even gave. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven I love this, where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And where, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Storing up as a part of that inheritance, knowing that it is coming, that's where I want my heart to be. And that will help me now. Now we see in verse, if you look in verse 5 of Peter, uh, Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, it says that Christians, as Christians, we are guarded. It says we're guarded by God's power until that day when we will no longer be these elect exiles. And we won't be living in a foreign land anymore. We'll be living in an eternal kingdom with God. What he's saying here is that God is going to guard our hearts and our minds and continue to shape you and I to be more like Jesus until he comes again. He promises to do that. He totally promises. I know so many people, this is their life verse. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. 
I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is a promise that no matter what is happening, he's working. He is working and guarding. He's guarding what you already have. It's like there's a massive treasure inheritance, and it's being guarded, okay? What a great promise we have. But until we receive that full inheritance, we live in a world that is full of struggles and uh, difficulties, hardships, trials. That's just the reality. We can't fluff this up. We can't say everything is all wonderful because it's hard. Life is messy. Life is difficult. So how are we supposed to have hope in the midst of it now? How are we supposed to have hope? Well, Peter goes on to tell us now the benefit of our hope. In verses 6 through 9, he gives us the benefit of our hope. Let's read that. He says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that, prayer, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be made found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is in, inexpressible or in, inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, what Peter's doing here, he's acknowledging that even in this rejoicing, even as we are rejoicing in this hope, we are living in a world of trials. We will experience difficult times. He's not denying that at all. In the light of eternity, our trials are just tiny, small things. But doesn't it sometimes feel like certain trials go on and on and on and on? Some of you know what that's like. An illness goes on and on and on. Uh, A relationship stays bad. It goes on and on and on. Peter, he's recognizing this here. Things happen like that. Through trials... For the, though trials for the original leaders, really, uh, readers of this letter, um, they were, and they're for us, the things that he's going to show us are for today, the same kind of things may, that, that cause us to be tempted to give up. These original readers were being tempted, and he, Peter knows that we are going to have the same temptation sometimes to get, or give in to the culture around us, to succumb what the world is saying. No, this is what you should be. Remember last week? You need to be what? Tolerant. <laughs> we talked about that last week. Tolerance is everything. Absolute truth, what's that? We talked about that last week. It's hard. And when we're pounded by that stuff, doubt and the goodness of God and the, the possibility of maybe even abandoning our faith altogether is a real thing for many, many people. We see here, though, in verse 6 that Peter says that these trials, check it out, he says these trials may be what? Necessary. He said, these trials may be necessary or something that we have to experience. What? <laughs> really? This is something that is, is really hard for a lot of people to swallow, especially when they come to Christ and they realize, oh my gosh, there's, there's hard times in this? There's difficult times? There's things that don't make sense? Yes. Yes. 
Very much so. Why might trials be necessary? Why is he saying this? Why is he saying that not only do you have them, but you're going to be ne- for sometimes it's going to be necessary for you to have to struggle with these? He says, he says it in the very next verse, in verse 7. He says, so that we might have what? Genuine faith. Sometimes we are allowed by God to go through very difficult times in order to give us a faith that is genuine. Which, by the way, he says here is more precious than what? Gold. More precious than gold. We, you, many of you know when, when gold is smelted through the refining fire, all that's not genuine, all the impurities are either burned up or they're skimmed away. Okay? Our faith becomes more genuine as the fire of trials burn away all that is keeping us from being all that God wants us to be. It's because he loves us that he allows it. That's what Peter's telling them, them that are being persecuted for their faith, losing property, losing jobs. And he's telling us, as you go through difficult times, these are being allowed for you, for the impurities to be skimmed away. But I've been a Christian for 30 years. Believe me, impurity exists big time. That's who we are. Sinful, broken people. God is continuing to skim and he'll turn up, he'll allow the heat to be turned up sometimes because he says, I love you so much, you will not know how amazing it's going to be when that that stuff is burned off. It's going to be amazing. You see, genuine faith is faith that stands up under trials. It's It's faith that brings wonderful results, Okay? And what are the results of this? What, what are the results of this wonderful, genuine faith? He says it right here. He says, praise, glory, and honor to Jesus now and for eternity. Many of you know of Elizabeth Elliot. My wife and I had the privilege of, actually I've met Elizabeth Elliot, but my wife and I, we went to, on a mission trip to Ecuador and we got to go we have to be flown in by a friend of a friend who flew us in on a little tiny plane through the jungle to the beach where her husband and the uh, missionaries were killed. Um, those of you that know that story, they, uh, missionaries went in there to find this unreached people group in the, des- in, the, in the jungle, and they did all these reconnaissance, and they finally went in, and the day they went in, they were killed. Um, well, we got to go in, and we got to actually meet the woman who was the child that first saw them, she's still alive, come to the, come to the beach. She became the, like the queen or something like that of the tribe. And we got to hear, we got to see Elizabeth Elliot's sister's grave is in this way. We were, at one point I was swimming in, in this river. We were just not swimming, we were wading in this river. And I'll, this piranha-infested river, I found out later, um, <laughs> with, with, my son, with my sons, and I was just overcome by, this is where these guys were murdered for their faith. And eventually, most of that tribe came to Christ because the wives then went on to minister. So what I take from what I say all that, because I believe if you have not read much of Elizabeth Elliot, you need to do that. You need to go find some stuff because she's, because God turned, allowed the heat to be turned up in her life big time by taking away an amazing man. 
Well, she said this about this subject. She puts it so well. She says, our vision is so limited, we can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. The love of God did not protect his own son. He will not necessarily protect us, not from anything it takes to make us like his son. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying by fire will have to go into the process. It's like a pastor, a friend of mine says, he says, so often God will take us to places we haven't wanted to go in order to produce in us what we couldn't possibly achieve on our own. Isn't that true? So true. The question, though, remains, so often, for many, though, the question is, why would I even want to bother going through all of that? People ask us as Christians, you'll say, yeah, you're going to suffer. It's like, why would I want to do that? What's the point of going through all of that? Well, verse 8 and 9 says why. Because we love him. We love him and we believe in, in him. Even though we have never seen Jesus, we love him. We believe in him with, get this, I love what it says, inexpressible joy. And this expressible is, is what is happening is as our salvation is moving towards this climax of experiencing glory in God's presence, we experience tremendous no joy knowing, just knowing Jesus. And we love him. Isn't that amazing? That's a work of God. That's a work of the Holy Spirit that we're madly in love with a person we've never met or seen. Well, we've met him, but in a way that most people don't understand. We love him. That's why we're willing to do this. Man, if you read anything about the martyrs of old, people that were tortured and murdered purely because they took a stand for their faith, you know why they did it? They were madly in love with Jesus. It was all about Jesus for them. So it was worth it. It was totally worth it. How do you know if you're growing in your faith? How do you know? How do you know if you even have faith? How do you know if you're even saved? How do you know the fact that you don't see Jesus, yet you love him and believe in him, and you experience tremendous joy and hope in the midst of trials? Not all the time. You're not always like, hey, life's terrible. <laughs> but there's this deep sense of I can have joy in the midst of this. That proves you have faith. It proves it if that is happening. John 20, 29 says, blessed, which means happy, okay? Blessed or happy are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Happy. Okay, lastly, real quick, end this here. Lastly, verses uh, 10 through 12 shows that he tells us the privilege of our hope. This is the privilege we have, okay? The privilege we have of our hope, okay? Verses uh, 10 through 12 says this. Concerning this salvation, or concerning all that I've just told you about, the prophets who prophesied about the, prophesied about the grace that was to be your searched and inquired carefully 
inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not, they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that they have, that have been now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels longed to look. Now, a lot can be said about these verses, but what these verses, essentially what they're saying is that we as believers have the privilege of knowing and experiencing things that the prophets of the Old Testament and angels, angels even longed to see. They longed to understand and experience. The phrase in here that even talks about the angels, it it even, it has this, this sense of that they were like, straining their bodies and their necks. That's the word that they're using here, the phrase they They wanted so badly back in the day to know what, what's, how's this going to work out? How's God going to do this? How's going to buy, get the people back? They long, and the prophets, they didn't know. They didn't understand. They searched to understand more about the things that the spirit was revealing to them. They wanted to know, what is this about the Christ? What are you, what are you telling me? When? Who? I want to know. But they, they were told about ideas about resurrection and suffering, but they wanted to know the specifics. We know. Angels longed, like I said, they longed to glimpse at what we now know and experience concerning Christ's death and resurrection. Let me ask you, are you worn out from trials that you've been facing? Take heart. There is hope. You and I can have a confident expectation that God is doing something good in our lives. We can know that God is lovingly and relentlessly working in us to make our faith genuine and to give us a hope that is based not on our circumstances, but is based on a person, Jesus our living hope. I, want to encur- I would love to encourage you this week, really, to take some time to contemplate the living hope that we have, which includes a glorious inheritance, a genuine faith that comes through trials, and just this privilege that we have of knowing and experience things that even Old Testament prophets in the day and angels longed to know about. Let's pray. Father God, what a great, great message to know and to be able to really allow to sink into our hearts that we have hope. Our hope is in a person, the person of Jesus And God, that there are amazing things waiting for us. But yet, God, you've even given us the ability to experience some of that now. And some of that's even happening right this very second as we get to break a word open together. We get to sing praises to you. Man, we're we're going to sing with the angels one day. With the angels and everybody else that's up there, we're going to sing and praise to you, God. That's going to be a magnificent. Thanks for letting us have some of that even now, God. Thank you that, God, you desire for us to have a genuine faith. You desire us to have a faith that 
helps us to be more and more like your son so that we can experience the kind of life you desire for us here, that we can glorify and honor you in a way that you deserve while we are here, God, as we are prepared for an incredible, incredible inheritance, God. Pray for all my friends here that you would give them just a deep, deep understanding from your Holy Spirit of hope, hope in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our last song together.